come back in. We're going to get started. So uh, my name's Brent. I'm one of the leaders here as well at Christ Central, and I'm just going to take a minute to introduce the Tough Talk team. So on the far uh, left is Ian, uh, and then we have Joe here, and this is Kwaku, and they've been serving us so well over the last, uh, I guess, day and this morning. Uh, we had a great men's breakfast yesterday morning, and uh, we've been at the Naturally Fit Gym uh, down the road here and at the St. Mary's Cultural Center yesterday afternoon where Byron Crisp was declared the strongest man in Canada. That's what it was. That's what was said. He was the strongest man in Canada. Uh, and then we were at Odell Park for a beautiful evening there with the youth. And uh, yeah, we've just been so uh, privileged to have them and they've served us so well. So give them a hand and I'll turn it over to them. Thank you, Brent. Well, good morning, Canada. What a wonderful place this is. This is our first time in Canada. I mean, we've traveled all over, but this is our first time. And I don't know about the other guys, I, I'm pretty sure they feel the same, but we love it. We absolutely love it. So as long as we don't mess up today, hopefully we'll get an invite maybe next year or the year after, once, you're, once you've forgotten our stories. But, uh, but it is a real, real privilege for all of us uh, to be here. And we thank you for Andy for all those years ago. I think you saw us somewhere in England, was it? And you've, and you've 2004, blimey, I was a lot younger then. That was 12 years ago. Wow. God, dear. Uh, 2004, and you got one of the original Tough Talk books, didn't you? That I think we signed, and we're still going. So God has a sense of humor, clearly, that we're still going. Um, and we signed that all those years ago, and it's just wonderful to, to be invited back here. And as long as we haven't let you down, and we thank you, obviously, for Joe and for Brent and for Gary, uh, who is probably the strongest man I've ever met. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hoping to train with Gary at some stage, but... I, Sorry, Brent. No, you're up there. <laughs> Brent, you're up there, you know. But this is a church, and, you know, we need a lesson in humility now and again. So, but that's fine. Um, and Mark and everyone else that, you know, that, that has been so gracious to us in the last couple of days that we've been here. And hopefully, you know, we've got a couple more days left uh, to have some fun with you guys, tell our stories, how we once were, how we once were what changed us, uh, and how we are now. So let me just tell you a little bit about Tough Talk. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to share about Tough Talk. Then I'll give you my testimony. After that, you'll see Kwaku do some lifting. Kwaku do some lifting. And then you'll hear Ian's story. He'll make sense of it all. He's the founder of Tough Talk. Um, so he'll, he'll wrap it all up. But we're going to have some audience participation. So I think we've got... Yeah, we are. We are. Uh, I don't know how much. It all depends how long we talk. You see, it's always dangerous giving me the microphone. Because we do a lot of prison work, and in fact, the last prison I spoke in, three inmates finished their sentence before I finished talking. <laughs> so, you know, you're in for a long ride, guys. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only going to speak for two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke. So let me tell you about Tough Talk. Tough Talk is a Christian registered charity. As I said, we've been going now for about 19, 20 years, I think. Uh, and in that time, we've had the privilege of traveling not just Canada now, um, but other parts, of, uh, other parts of the world, the USA, we've done a bit down there. Um, we've done Europe, we've done Russia, we've done South Africa. We've done a lot of work with the gangs, with the number gangs in South Africa, Polesmoor Prison, uh, which has been very tough. We've been to Lebanon, which is a story in itself. We all managed to get back safely from there. Um, we've been 
uh, we, as I said, Europe, the French Alps. So we've done some really good, fun ones. And we've done some really dangerous ones. And we've managed to survive them all. But it's been a real honor to be able to share our stories. So you might be thinking, that's great, well done, excellent. But why do you lift the weights? Well, it is very, very simple. We can't do anything else. <laughs> we can't sing. You, you want to hear Ian? I mean, it's deafening just standing next to him. You know, we can't dance. I mean, Quaker's as stiff as a scaffold board, you know. We can't dance. We can't do anything else, but we, we lift weights. You know, and there's a, there's a bit in the Bible that says God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And, you know, it, it is foolish, but we live in a generation where people want to be entertained. Rightly or wrongly, that's what they want. So we purely use this as a backdrop, as a way of just getting the interest of people. Uh, and on the back of that, we'll then share our stories and then we'll... We'll give, out, we'll give our stories and then we'll give a gospel presentation. So it's, we only do it, as I said, we don't, we don't show off. We don't think we're the toughest people in the world, far from it. But, you know, life is tough. You've just got to look around the world to see what's going on. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out this world is in trouble. Um, so this is why we do it. As I said, it's a, it's a tough talk. It's a tough message. And hopefully this morning you'll get something from this. Um, so, as I said, we're going to have some fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously. That's for sure, and Gary can contest to that. But we do take God seriously. We take God incredibly serious. And, um, and I, I need to say to Byron, you are one incredible guy. Uh, he's knocked this up. He's built this. I mean, this, was, this would cost an awful lot of money in England just to buy this. And Byron has, has, has built this for us. So bless you, Byron. I wish we could take it back in our luggage. Give him a clap. That's amazing. Amazing handiwork. You're a very talented man. Um, but it's just, yeah, we would love to take this back in our, in our luggage, wouldn't we? But we, we have got a story about that. We, 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 we went to, I think, Texas in 03, and we took our stands, which were a lot smaller than this, and we put them in the luggage hold, and we put all of our other luggage in there, and we're all now waiting at the luggage control, whatever you call it, waiting for our baggage to come out. And we're standing there for about an hour and nothing's happening. There's loads of people waiting for their luggage to come up. All of a sudden, some pants come up separately on this luggage conveyor belt, some tops, some trousers, and everyone's panicking. Then some bags come up all ripped open. So one of the main guys went down and disappeared in the hole. And then he'd come up with one of our stands and said, who put these on here because it's ruined everyone's luggage? At which point, you know, Ian did the good Christian thing. He took a step back and just totally denied everything happening. <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> that is the truth, I'm afraid to say. But, um, but yes, we, we do have some fun with this. Um, we are safe. We, we do have a public liability policy. But obviously, we don't want to use it. So if anyone gets injured, we'll just change the name of the charity. But apart, apart, apart that's my only joke, by the way. I know it's not that funny. Um, but apart from that, we're going to have some fun this morning. So I'm just going to briefly tell my story. Did you want to warm up quickly? Why don't we just get Kwaku to warm up? This is called the squat. Okay, there's three exercises in powerlifting. You've got the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. See, Gary was an Olympic lifter, which is the clean and jerk and snatch. So they're different lifts. Um, but we find this works well because we try not to go through the floor or damage the floor. And as Gary's the principal, we would definitely never get invited back. So... Quaku, have we got, we got some music as well? We've got a live band playing. This is, you're too good to us. Come on in, here we go. Here's Quaku. This is called The Squat.
Come on. That's 135 pounds on the bar. And Quaker is doing the squat. Oh, oh hang on. there we go. Perfect. And perfect. Well done. Excellent. So this is my sport. This is what I've done for a number of years. I'll just tell you a little bit about this because people always ask me before I, I get into my story. But this is, this is powerlifting. So I started to train in 2000 with a guy called Arthur White, who's, who's in the first Tough Talk book. As, as Mark quite correctly pointed out, we are very creative and, and we did have a Tough Talk too. You know, that took us probably a few weeks to work out the name for the second book. Um, but yeah, so in this you've got <coughs> Ian McDowell and Arthur White. And we're selling out of the back. But Arthur White's a world champion powerlifter, phenomenal lifter, Guinness Book of Record holder, all sorts of things. So I had the privilege of him training me back in 2000. So in 2003, I had my first sort of divisional championships, which I won. Um, I, in, in 2004, I then qualified for the British Powerlifting Championships for 05. So I went to the British. Um, I got a silver at my first British powerlifting competition where I was squatting in excess of 720 pounds. So it's quite a lot. I'm, I'm trying to convert it for you guys. See, I work in, in kilos. And Gary said, don't talk kilos. They won't know what you're talking about. So I'm trying to do the maths, but you know, we're not that bright. Other young people understand kilos, do they? All right, okay, fine, good. So anyway, so, I, so we're talking around 720, 700 odd pounds, 320, 330 kilos for the squat. The other exercise which I think we're going to get some of you guys to do is called the bench press, which is where you lie down and you push the bar up and down. And my one uh, rep max on that was over 500 pounds. Um, and my best deadlift was 704 pounds, which is 320 kilos. So that sort of gives you an idea of, of, of what I was lifting. So I came, so I got a silver at the British in 2005. I went to the Commonwealth Powerlifting Championships the same year where I, I got another silver. The same year I got invited to the Europeans, where I got a bronze. And then the following year in 2006, I went back to the British Powerlifting Championships. I won the, uh, the, the British Powerlifting Championships for my body weight, which was 100 kilos, 220 pounds. Um, I broke the British squat record. I equaled the British deadlift record. And I broke and I still hold the British total record um, that I set back in 2006. So I've had some success. <laughs> had some. Yeah. It's been fun. See, the problem with this is it, it does compress you a bit. See, like Gary, I used to be six foot two. You know, you don't understand what we've been through, you know. We were once giants amongst men, weren't we, Gary? But now, now we're giants inside for the Lord. But uh, you still love me, brother, don't you? Okay, all right. Okay, so am I. So, 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 that, so that's the squat, that's the bench, and the deadlift is just a dead weight on the floor. And the idea of that is it's the final exercise. So although it looks simple, it's actually the hardest because you're pretty fatigued, you're tired. <clears throat> and the idea of that is you just literally pick it up and stand up with it. So they're the three disciplines uh, in powerlifting. Do you want to go again? Are you ready to go again? And then I'll get into my story. Kwaku, here we go. Come on. 180. 225. We got 225 kilos, pounds on the bar. 225 pounds. Come on, Quaker. Here we go. Come on. 
Brilliant. Well done. Well done. Thank you, band. Can you come with us? Can we, can we take them with us? They're fantastic, aren't they? Wasn't the worship awesome? Fantastic this morning. Yeah, give them a clap. I think we should give the band a clap. They've been brilliant. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. And he looks so cool. I wish I could grow hair that long. Fantastic. Kwaku's been with us now for, what, a year? A year and a half. So he's the young, fresh man of the team making us look old. Um, so I'm doing less lifting now, and I'm sort of handing that over to Kwaku. So that's, uh, <coughs> he's an absolute privilege for him to be with us as well. So let me tell you about my story, and then once, once that's done, I'll hand you over to Ian, and uh, he, can, he can give his testimony and make sense of all. So I, wasn't, I didn't grow up as a Christian. Uh, my story is that uh, my father never believed in God. He was an atheist. My mother um, had her own business to run. So she had a, a family business in, in Essex, in England. And so I was brought up in the back office with a load of sort of aunties and uncles that worked for mum, if, if you know what I mean. You know, they sort of had to attend to me because I was a bit of a nuisance. So I never had that sort of, that sort of, I won't say it wasn't caring upbringing, but it was a tough upbringing. You know, I used to look to my father for, for strength and support. He was my hero as a young man. But he wasn't really interested. He'd done his own thing. He was what you'd call a bit of a party animal uh, back in the 70s and early 80s. So where I needed that father figure, I didn't have it. And that really affected me from a very, a very young age. Uh, you see, my father used to be a professional footballer. Um, so when I, let me clarify what I mean by football. I mean the, the, the true football. Soccer. <laughs> There's only one boo. That's not so bad. <laughs> I've been stoned before for saying that. Uh, so, yeah, so, so he was a professional footballer. And, and with that came that lifestyle, that, that party and everything else. So he had his own agenda. So when I really needed that father figure in, in my life, he left at a very young age. And unfortunately, he left me at a time when I needed him. He moved to the States. He moved to California. And I didn't see him for a number of years. One second. <clears throat> so when that happened, as I said, that had a real negative effect on me. I, I, this, darkness, this darkness descended on me. And I recognize now where it came from. But back then, I, I had no idea. I just thought maybe it was just me getting a bit angry towards life. And I started to hate people. I started to, to dislike my father for what he'd done and how he'd left me. I started to dislike the people in my school. And I started to hurt people. I was quite happy to fight um, and get a lot of this aggression and anger out on people that had done nothing wrong to me. It got even worse than that. I started to take pleasure in killing things. And I was going down a very, very dark path, which nowadays I think people would probably have thought I had all sorts of um, split personalities and everything else. And I think there was, uh, there was a lot of that going on as a young man. It was a very dark place I found myself in. And as I said, when my dad left me, it got worse. <clears throat> George and I, George was my brother, we were very close as children. And then when dad left, he, he went very introvert, very quiet. And I went very extrovert. I started, as I said, get, get involved in a lot of trouble. I started to get involved in some sort of petty crime. I started to get involved in, in, in stealing things from shops, um, causing trouble in school, fighting, truancy. Uh, just a rebellious young man with no direction in life. 
as I was getting older, nothing really changed apart from the fact that I got to 16. And in England back then, at 16, you could leave school. That freaks a lot of people out when I say that. <laughs> but at 16, you could leave school. And I didn't do particularly well academically because that wasn't in, I wasn't interested in that. I was still bitter and angry about everything else that had happened. But I had this moment of clarity, and it must have been God-given. And I thought, I've got to get myself a job before my exam results come out. That's a good move, Joe. So I applied for a job up in the city of London, and I managed to convince this guy that I was his man. It was the financial markets. I said, I was his man. I'll make you money, you know. Trust in me. I'm, I'm great. He said, well, what exam results do you think you'll get? And I said, oh, I'm hoping to get this, that, and the other. Oh, obviously, I wasn't a Christian, so I was lying through my teeth back then. Um, but all I thought is, if I can get through the door of this place and I can prove that I can do something then he won't, he won't be interested. And thankfully, I, I managed to get into this market. Markets. I did quite well. I had an aptitude for it. So I carried on working the financial markets. And when my exam results come out, he wasn't interested. Obviously, kids don't listen to that part. Do well at school. It's incredibly important. Those days have gone. Don't be like me. Listen to your parents. They're very wise. So I got into the city. Now, the problem with that is, as a young man working in the city, there was a lot of money around. And with no direction in life, I started to spend that money unwisely. I got involved in the lifestyle up in the city. I got very much involved in that hedonistic type lifestyle with relationships. I'm afraid to say I got involved in the drug taking as a young man. And that started to let me, you know, lead me down a dark path again. So where I thought I'd come out of the darkness, all of a sudden I was then going back into the darkness, but in a different way. Just as bad, just as powerful, just as dangerous. It got worse for me because I found myself then getting involved in witchcraft. And what I mean by that is Ouija boards, uh, spiritualism, tarot. How I got into that is another story. And the depths that took me are, are another story. But that opened up doors in my life which I wish I'd have never opened. <clears throat> and, and all hell broke loose one, one night when I was getting involved in this, which rocked me to my core. And I remember crying out to God that night saying, you've got to get me out of this. And I remembered the Lord's Prayer, and thankfully they, they used to teach that at the school. <clears throat> so I said the Lord's Prayer over and over again. And I said, Jesus, if you can get me out of this, I will serve you all the days of my life. And I remember saying the Lord's Prayer <clears throat> from where I was getting involved in all this witchcraft in a very dark place in, in Essex, all the way home. And all I can say is that night I got off my motorbike, I, I went inside, and my mum sort of looked at me as if to say, what's happened? She could see that I was very fearful, I didn't tell her. I went to bed, and I remember sleeping with this big, big family Bible. And I have no idea where mum got this thing from. It was massive. It was so thick and heavy. And I remember sleeping, that with, I remember sleeping with that on my chest, thinking, if anything comes at me tonight, I'm going to hit it with the Bible. <laughs> so you can tell I was in a bit of a strange place. Thank you. Thankfully, nothing came at me that night. The problem is that nearly killed me. It was so heavy. So I put that to one side. There's a, there's a preach in there somewhere, isn't there? In that story, having a Bible on your chest. The way, I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> so I put the Bible to one side. I didn't touch any of the witchcraft anymore. I kept away from all that stuff, but I'm still working in the city. I'm still lead, leading this very hedonistic lifestyle. And about six months or so passed, and mum had just started to go to church. And that in itself was an absolute miracle. And she said to me, good Friday morning, do you want to come to church with me? And I was lying in bed and I'd been out 
unfortunately, to say I was drinking the night before, which was really bad. Um, and I'd been out that night, um, so I wasn't interested. And I said, Mo, I'm really not interested. But as I was lying there this Good Friday morning, I heard a voice very clearly say to me, Joe, get up and go. And I remember looking around the room thinking, that is a bit bizarre. So I ignored it. I totally ignored it. I thought maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me. Maybe it was something that I'd, I'd, I'd taken. So I ignored it. The voice very clearly again said, Joe, get up and go. So I remember I got up. I got changed. I, I told mum I was coming to church. She was shocked because she you know, asked me and the son was going to church. You parents understand what I'm talking about, right? Keep praying for your kids. You know, God is incredibly faithful. And it's not in our time. It's in his time. But keep praying for your children. So I went over to this church with mum. And as I walked through the doors of this church, I got this overwhelming feeling of love, like I was being loved by a father that I didn't know. It was like somebody had turned a tap on inside of my head. All of a sudden, it was like a veil had been lifted away from me. It was just so surreal. It was so, I remember walking around the church going, Mom, this is amazing. Look how pretty the flowers are. And she's looking at me as if to say, what on earth are you talking about? But the fact is, my life changed that day. And that's how I know it was of God. It totally changed, totally radicalized, totally changed my, 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 my thought process. I got chatting with the pastor there, or as we call them, vicars in England. Now, you've got to understand, my, my view of, of vicars or pastors wasn't particularly good. Now, I, first of all, I didn't think they could relate to anyone. And secondly, they always wore sandals and socks. And I had a big issue with that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with sandals. And there's nothing wrong with socks. You just don't put them together, men. All right? Or you certainly don't in London anyway. Maybe it's different in Canada. But I got chatting with him and I found out a lot about him. And I was sharing with him. And I was sharing all the stuff that I'd got involved in. And I was probably bragging back then as well because I thought it was pretty cool. But he pulled me aside and he pretty much rebuked me and said, you know, you've got a choice to make, Joe. You've got a big choice to make. You can carry on living that lifestyle and you'll end up, you'll end up in, you know, in destruction. You'll end up not where you want to be and it'll all end in tears. He said, oh, you can put your trust in Jesus Christ. You can turn away from your sins. You can ask him to forgive you for the wicked stuff you've done and put your trust in him. And if you follow him all the days of your life, You'll never look back and it'll always be by your side. And I thought about this and I remember going back and I remember reading the Gospel of Mark from cover to cover and I put my trust in Jesus Christ and my life changed. I had a peace that I'd never experienced before. I had the love of a father that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't physically see but I could tangibly feel and taste the goodness of God. A lot of the issues I had as a young man, as I said, I haven't shared a lot of things that I, I've shared some of them, but I haven't shared all of them that affected me as a young boy. They seem to leave me overnight, not out of any religious compulsion, but out of a relationship that I was forming with my maker. And my life has changed. Since I became a Christian in 1993, life hasn't been straightforward. It hasn't been easy. I've made a lot of mistakes. You can just ask my wife that. But the fact is my life has changed. I no longer have the desire to do the things I used to, used to do that I used to enjoy. I want to please my father. I love God for what he's done for me. I could never go back to the insanity of the old, the old ways. 
It's not easy being a Christian. And if anyone tells you it is, they're lying. It's not. But I would certainly never go back to the insanity that I had before. As I often say, I have forgiveness of my past when I put my trust in Jesus and ask for forgiveness. I have peace in the present. When I trust in him, when I walk with him, when I read his work, when I stay in fellowship, which is incredibly important. Fellowship with a body like this is so important. And I have a hope for the future. I have a total hope and peace that when I die, I will meet my maker and I'll have eternity with him in paradise. I have absolute peace. So I want to just share those things with you. I thank you so much for listening to my story. Have we got one more lift? Are you feeling good? Have I left it too long? Okay, here we go. Kwaku, let's see it go. Come on. Come on. Nice and strong. Oh, come on. There we go. He's a strong lad. Well done, Kwaku. Well done. How much was that, Gary? 315, 315 pounds. Well done, sir. Let me hand you over to Ian McDowell. Thank you for listening. Excellent. Give Joe a big clap, people, please. So we're going to strip the bar down, guys. We'll strip the bar down. We're going to... Uh, we thought we'd maybe get a couple of the youngsters to come out and have a little go with a bench press. So has we got any... Because tonight we're picking on the men. So we, we want the men tonight. We're going to find out if there's anyone stronger than... Uh, uh, where is our... Uh, Byron, that's it. Byron, where is he? So at the moment, you're the strongest man in Canada. We need a challenger tonight. So it's a fact at the moment. And uh, so we have some fun tonight with the men. So we want a couple of youngsters to come out and join in with us. If you're into that Facebook thing, you've got to like Tough Talk on your Facebook. Because I have this young guy that put it together for me. And he's already texted me this weekend saying, I haven't seen any extra likes yet. You haven't been promoting it, have you? So if you're into that, please like it. He enjoys all that. And um, it doesn't mean a great deal to me I'm afraid <laughs> I'm going to tell you very quickly my sport and uh, I'm going to tell you why I'm here and what happened to me I'm going to tell you a story that took place in my life and uh, and hopefully as Joe said try and make some sense of why we've traveled out here I uh, grew up in a part of London uh, uh, which was East London the same place where Kwaku comes from uh, where there was a lot of uh, violence and uh, gangs and things like that as a young man and I made many mistakes I got involved in bodybuilding so bodybuilders stand on stage with a little pair of swimming trunks. We used to call them posing briefs. I had this red pair, a blue pair, and for the finals I had a golden pair of posing briefs. They were like a speedo. And um, I put oil on my body, show off my physique, and that's what I did as a sport, as a young man. I took it very, very seriously. And uh, uh, I can remember training every day, and uh, I kind of want to move away from that image anyway. It's not... A, Healthy image for a Sunday morning, is it? But um, that's what I did as a sport, as a young fellow. And I loved the training. I loved the weights. And uh, I can remember uh, uh, making mistakes as a young guy. I got involved in taking um, uh, anabolic steroids. And I abused that drug. And they damaged my health. I cheated in my sport. And I'm not proud of that. Joe, uh, I'm pl pleased to say, I'm proud to say, all those trophies and titles he won as a Christian, drug-free. That's not bad in a sport that's riddled. Absolutely riddled with uh, yeah, absolutely riddled with the, stero uh, with the steroids. 
I got involved in that lifestyle, taking the drugs. I turned my back on anyone who ever cared for me or loved me. I'm in the gym one day. There was this bald-headed guy that had a chewed-up nose, a chewed-up ear, and no tooth. They used to call him Mad Dog. I don't know if you have mad dogs in Canada, but uh, there's certainly a lot in London. And this particular mad dog was the ugliest man I'd ever seen. He said, do you want to work with me on the door tonight, son? Now, back in those days, bouncers, do you have bouncers here? Bouncers were run by firms, gangs. Nowadays, it's all regulated and uh, they have to be licensed and they pay tax and all sorts of things. But that wasn't the case back then. I went to work with this fella, Mad Dog. He introduced me to my colleagues. There was Dave the Bus and One-Eyed Mark. And I worked for the next year or so with Dave the Bus, Mad Dog and One-Eyed Mark in pubs, clubs, nightclubs. We got involved in debt collecting, all sorts of things we should never had any business with. And uh, my life spiralled out of control. I was involved in a fight one night and I got squirted in my face with ammonia and I got hurt and I ended up in hospital. And one of my friends, his name was Ez, Ez had a pickaxe handle put across his head in the same fight and ended up together in hospital and they operated on my friend and uh, I can remember I got out the next day but my pal he, he, he had a uh, 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 metal plates put around his eye his eye sunk they said he should have uh, uh, could have died it was a big pickaxe handle big bodybuilder smashed him over the head a few times smashed his jaw to pieces they wired up his jaw and uh, my uh, friend and myself uh, we were in business together and it wasn't regulated by any industry we did this debt collecting we did this uh, door work and uh, we weren't the the nicest young men in town that's the fact and uh, I can remember I wanted to uh, get hold of my pal because he wasn't answering his phone and back in those days we didn't have um, cell phones and mobiles or whatever you guys call them there was no snapchats whatsapps uh, facebook's none of that was going on and if you didn't answer your house phone the next thing you had to go and knock on the door I remember going around his house, knocking on his door. He took me upstairs and he started to tell me about how bad the injury was. He said, I'm so depressed. He said, I've got pain constantly in my head. I've got partial sight in my eye. He said, look, I'm on liquid food. My jaw is an absolute mess. They've wired it up top to bottom, but it's still loose. They're not sure how it's going to repair itself. I've got another operation in a few weeks. Now, we at one point were talking about revenge, but out of the blue, this six foot four villain that I was hanging around with suddenly did something I wasn't expecting. I'm looking at him and he just suddenly broke down. He started to cry. Now, I'm not a comforting, counselling kind of fella. I would never make a pastor. I would never be on any kind of group I've ever led. It always seems to break down and disappear in front of me. I didn't know what to do with this bloke. And I can remember looking at him and thought, what should I say? I need to say something, don't I? I'm, I'm not a deep man, you understand? And uh, this man's crying. He needs someone other than me. And I found some words coming out of my mouth that as they left my lips, I didn't know where they'd come from. I said to him, why don't you come to church with me? I thought, what was that? <laughs> He's gone church. Have not going to have problems as he is? Now, he had a proper East London accent. I've already been asked today, am I Australian? <laughs> I'm not Australian, I'm from East London, and uh, we call it a cock 
Cockney accent. And uh, this fella, he's sitting there saying to me, uh, 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 what are you talking about? And to be honest, I didn't know. I, I'd never really been to church but I, I, a few months before this, I'd had these dreams about God. And this God was like lightning coming out of the sky. And I told a power that I worked with on the doors in the clubs. And he happened to be a Christian. And he said, I think God's talking to you. I didn't know what he was going on about. But he took me to a church meeting that was just like this. They met in a school in East London. I've got to be honest, I didn't like the place. People were happy, clapping their hands, singing songs, welcoming me at the door. I thought they were after my money. I sat through the whole meeting, wanting to get out as quick as I could. But before I had a chance to leave, they called people up the front and started praying for people. And I can remember they were praying for people that were sick. And for whatever reason, it came out of my mouth and I started to tell this fella. He was looking at me as if I was mad. And I can remember thinking, I need to get out of his house very quickly. I said, listen, don't worry about it all anyway. I'm going to go. I'm working as a head bouncer in a club in a part of London that was a, a troubled area. And I can remember a car pulled up in the car park. My pal gets out of the car. He comes over and says, yeah, I need to talk to you. We went around the corner. We were talking actually about revenge, getting these fellas shot. We wanted our own back. And I can remember as we was discussing it, he went again. He just suddenly broke down. He said, Ian, he said, you don't understand the pain. He said, my head's like glass. He said, it's suicide or church. Now, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but that's what it's like in England to get a man to church. Suicide or church. I said, mate, if you want to, I'll take you there. So I took this fella to this church. I picked him up, took him to church. I walked in the back, my pal Marcus, who first took me, I told him I was never coming back. He looked around, he see me coming in the door. And now I'm bringing people. I'm an unbelieving church worker. In fact, I would probably say I was a God hater, really. Where is he in my life? Mum's always drunk, don't know my dad, sister's mentally retarded, but now I'm bringing people to church. We sat at the back, same thing, clapping, singing, happy people. I didn't like them. That's the truth. I went to get out. Something was burning inside me to leave the place. But before we had a chance, I thought we'd better hang in here for the bit at the end when they pray for sick people. They didn't do it. Typical, isn't it? I thought, where's the pray thing gone this week? But these guys got around us and said, look, do you want to come to a meeting on Wednesday night? And these were a couple of fellas that had been a bit like us that had turned their lives around in prison. And uh, we, got, we got kind of communicated well with them. And I thought, church twice in one week? Does this lot do that? They've got nothing better to do? I said, no, I'm okay, thank you very much. But my pal went to this meeting. It was in a church in London called Kensington Temple in Notting Hill Gate, a big church. Uh, I knew nothing about it, really. But my pal went on the underground from one end of London to the other. And he went with these other guys. And they started to tell him, you need to forgive the people that done this to you. And he told me I had a row with these guys all the way. Forgive them. You don't understand what they've done. I can't forgive them. But he told me afterwards that before I walked into that church, I said to myself, God, if you're there and you're able to help me, I forgive him. I won't take any revenge. He said, I walked into that meeting. Now, my experience was I was sleeping. I got a phone call about four o'clock in the morning. It was my pal, Ian, Ian. He said, Jesus has healed me. I thought, I'm sure he has. I thought he's had a little bit too much rum, you know. 
I was going, he's going to be all right in the morning. I'll go, I'll come see you tomorrow. Don't worry about it. I came to see him. Now, they say seeing is believing. Now, I've heard people say, if I could see God or see something, I'd believe it. That's what they say, don't they? I, I'm here to say it's not true. As I walked in this fellow's place, and there he was. He, he looked different. He looked well. Before, his head was like a melon. It was swollen. His jaw was a mess. You could put your little finger between the bottom part of his teeth. He said, I went to this meeting. He told me about the forgiveness thing. He said, I stood up. In, I sat in the church. The fellow got, pointed to me, got me to stand up. He started to talk over me. He started to say, God says, thank you for forgiving the people that done this to you. He said, I thought, I haven't told anyone this. He said, I went all shaky. He said, Jesus says, receive. He said, he sees all the fight, all the accident. He said, receive your healing now in the name of Jesus. He said, people started putting their hands on me. I felt this incredible heat rushing through my body. I felt something moving in my jaw. He said, I felt something tingling in my eye. He said, I can see out of my head. My pains are gone. He said, look at my teeth, they're together. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't have it. I got angry. I said, yeah, okay. I left the place very quickly and it was it was like a nightmare for me. He went around telling my pals, Ian took me to church. <laughs> and Jesus healed me. I said, mate, you need to keep it down. At least keep me out of the story, you know. And, uh, but he did, and he even wrote a book about it. And he's got his big, ugly face on the front. And, uh, and it's called, I'm Asking You Nicely. And it's all about this story that I'm telling you now. I couldn't get it out of my head. Uh, people were asking me about God. This fellow's running around telling about Jesus healing him. I'm working on the door selling steroids. I had a, a, a sentence hanging over my head to go to prison for seven years. I had a contract taken out of my life. I was not a nice man. And to be honest with you, I was angry because I thought, if there's a God, he doesn't heal people. And if he heals people, why has he healed him? He doesn't deserve it. I was angry by it. I was thinking, why? When my sister's in the mess she's in and this person's in the mess she is. But he was running around telling everyone, Jesus healed me. I'm driving home from work. I'm sitting in the car. I've covered in some fella's blood. That's the sadness of my life. And I can remember saying to myself, God, if you're there, can you help someone like me? If you're real, can you sort me out? As I sat in the car that night after working and being in all this violence and mess, I said, Jesus, if you're there, could you forgive me for what I've become? As I said that, I felt this incredible peace that Joe spoke about touching my life. Tears flowing down my eyes. I felt this love, this feeling that everything was going to be all right. I can remember that very night as I, as I drove home. I fell asleep for the first time in weeks. I used to sleep with fear and paranoia with a knife under my pillow, always out of fear. That night I had this peace that everything was going to be okay. That was over 25 years ago. I've been through hell and back since, but that peace has never left me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He touched my life and he's never left me and I know he never will. We're going to finish in a minute, but first, before we do that, we're going to get a couple of these youngsters out, Joe, I think, to have a little uh, bench press. We're going to find out who's the strongest young fella or young girl. We want maybe two or three volunteers. Have we got any young people who want to come up? We've got one there. Come here, sir. We need another two. Come over here. We've got you as well. Come stand over. I need one more, maybe. Come stand over here. Come stand over here. Musicians, are you getting yourselves ready? One more young fella. We've got another one. We've got a bigger guy there. Come over here. Joe, quickly show them what you're, they're doing. Are you coming as well? Quickly, come over here. Come, come, come. Quickly. I think that will do us. Any more, I could be here till lunchtime. So, lovely. Thank you very much. Give them a clap. Go to the end of the queue, little one. Lovely. They look amazing, don't they? So, yeah, okay, okay, okay. 
We'll start charging if I get any more. Yeah, there you go. You brother and sister, are you? Good. So, right, this is what you're going to do, guys. You're going to lie on the bench. They're going to hold the bar up to you. You're going to take the bar from Joe or Quaker. You're going to take it down to your body and press it up. The one who does the most is going to be the champion. So the one who presses it the most is going to be the winner. So we're going to see who is the strongest boy and girl uh, uh, this morning. So give Quaker a big clap. Fantastic. In order of the queue, we'll start with you, young man. What is your name? Joshua, go over there with Joe and Quaker. They're going to look after you. Mr. P uh, Mr. Um, Band. No, PA Band. Please put some music together for these guys. Come stand right back, guys. Come stand right back. Come stand right Joe, here we go. Quaker, here we go. Give him a clap. If you can't see, you can stand up at the back. Here we go. One. One more. Two. Excellent. Take the bar, guys. Quickly. Let's move on quickly. Come, come, come. What's your name? What's your name? What? What's your name? Aiden. Aiden, give Aiden a big clap, people, please. Come up here, come up here. Aiden, let's see what you got, my friend. Here we go, Aiden. You got three to beat. Here we go. Come, 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 come. All the way down, give him a clap, give him a cheer. Come on. Whoa, one. Here we go. Two. Here we go, give him a cheer. Three. What? Last one. Come on, guys. Up, 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 up. Take the bar. Take... Joe, I'm going to give him three as well. Three for this young fella. Come over here. Excellent. Come over here, my friend. We'll start with you next, my friend. Come over here. Come over here. What's your name? Honor. Honor. Give him a big clap, people, please. Quick, 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 quick. Your sister's coming. Quick. Here we go. Here we go. Mind your head. Take the bar. Give him a cheer. Make some noise. Come on. One. He's going to do more than one. Two, last one, come on. You've got to get it up, friend. Take the bar. We're going to give you free as well. We are a generous bunch. Come here. Come, 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 come. What is your name? Hope. Hello? Oh, yeah. Yep, hope. Hope, hope. Give hope some hope. Give us some tears. Go on, hope. Go on, go on, go on. Waving at our fans. Waving at our fans is our hope. Take the bar. Here we go. Hope you've got to take on the boys. All the way down. Ah, one more. Oh, hope take the bar. Two, give her a clap. My money's on this fella. He's like bigger than everyone else. What's your name, son? Jaden. Jaden, my get Come over here, Jaden. Give him a big clap. He will please. Your money's on you, money's on you. Here we go. You've got to be free, young man. Got to be free all the way down. Press one. And again, come on. All the way down and press two. Come on, give him a cheer. Here we go. Three. Last one. Here we go. Up, 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 up. Four. Take the bar. Awesome stuff. Oh, he's excellent. Come here. They were fantastic, weren't they? Give them all a clap. You are my champion. There is a book for you, son. Let me shake your hand. Let me give you some high fives. Go take your seats. Go take your seats. You are awesome, awesome. Wonderful. There you go. Give them a clap. Weren't they great? Guys, can we move this back out of the way for one second? Please give Joe and Quaker a big clap. They've been great, haven't they? We Poor old Joe and Quaker. I I I've had a... I am the oldest out of the team, so I'm taking senior rank, so I've kind of opted out of all the lifting in Canada. 
So these guys have been doing it all for me, and uh, so that's good. Then people say, do you ever do any lifting? And, uh, but next week, I'm doing an outreach for three days in a place called Cornwall out in Newquay, out in England, with the, an older fella called Arthur. And I think you might have seen a bit of Arthur's story last week. Did you see him on the screen talking about knives and horrible stuff? And um, did he frighten you? He frightens me, so... I'll be doing the lifting, he'll be doing all the talking next week. That's how it's going to work. And uh, So I can rem remember my life was a mess. So like Joe's, Jesus Christ came into our lives. But a Quaker as well, grew up in, uh, in East London with the gang culture that's there nowadays. He talked yesterday uh, to the youth about how he had fear of going through one postcode in London to the next postcode, uh, zip code and all that stuff as you call them, because they're, they're, these young fellas are prepared to kill each other because they've strayed out of the next street. It's mental, isn't it? And, uh, uh, and Jesus Christ took a fear of death away from him, and that's his story. And he's going to be talking tonight, as well as Joe, about some different issues with the men. But I want to wrap up this morning with a little picture, a little story, to make some sense of, of, of the whole thing, hopefully. I, uh, as you heard, grew up in London. My back garden was a, a factory. It was a tree boss factory, a sweet factory. Not that I got any sweets out of it. And my front door was the main road that went into London, a big, busy street. And I'd never seen any fields or anything like that before. And I grew up with seven brothers and sisters. And we were a dysfunctional family. And one year, they decided to... I don't know if it was more for my mum because she was always drunk. But they took us and my mum, some group of people, to a farm in a place called Wales. Anyone ever see, heard of Wales? Wales is uh, it's beautiful. It's all full of, my memories of it is all full of, um, in fact, Joe was just there the other day. It's all hills and valleys, and, uh, uh, and they do a lot of sheep. They do a lot of farming and things. And uh, we ended up on this guy's farm. And, and, and it was a weekend for us London boys that were in a real mess. I think they were trying to help us out. And we got out of, that, out of those vehicles, and we'd never seen anything like this before. We just went mad. We were running around this guy's farm, throwing hay everywhere, chasing the geese. I wasn't prepared for these birds to be so violent. They started turning on us and chasing us. We were running for our lives with these geese. I, I couldn't get on top of the horse, so I tried to bear back ride the pig, you know. And uh, we were a strange family. This is the truth. And I, and I can remember it, 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 during the afternoon of the second day, the farmer had got hold of us. And he said, boys, you're not running around the farm today. You're going to go on the tractor. You're going to help me feed the animals. I think there was some sort of plan behind the weekend, looking back now. Uh, it was just a, a wild time for me at the time. And uh, we spent the time of the day with a farmer. I don't know what was going on with my mum, but she was always a little bit drunk. I wasn't too worried about her. But we went in the afternoon into his kitchen and he gave us these little baby bottles uh, with milk in it. And suddenly he brought out these little lambs. And he started to get us to feed these little baby lambs. And I remember feeding these little lambs. Have you ever seen a little baby lamb? Uh, yeah, I'm sure you all have. You're all nodding your head. They're cute, aren't they? And they beautiful little animals. And me and my brother, now we didn't have many toys and there was no gadgets back in those days. There was no iPads and iPhones and all that stuff. If you wanted to discipline your kids back in the 60s and 70s, you just give them a slap, didn't you? Nowadays they take all their gadgets off them, don't they? But we had a slap and I used to get a good slap with the back of a hairbrush from my mum. Quite this wooden thing. I can feel it now hitting the back of my head. And, uh, and I can remember... Um, we, we, we were feeding these little lambs and me and my brother plotted up we should have a lamb. 
Why haven't we got a lamb, you know? And, and, and I can remember we, 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 we got on my mum's case. Mum, we should have a lamb. Why don't we get a lamb? Why don't we take a lamb? He's got four or five of me. don't need the lambs. And, and the, the next morning, she was already a little bit gone. And we woke her up and she's, where's my drink? And, uh, and she's having a little drink. I said, we, should, we want a lamb before we go. She said, listen, she said, if you can nick one. True stories. You can take one, but if you get caught, I'm, I'm, I'm denying I gave you permission. <laughs> Me and my brother Jason and a couple of my other brothers, just before we left, we bundled this little Welsh lamb into the back of the van and, and, and we sat on it and we, we stole a Welsh lamb. This is true. And, and we waved goodbye to the farmer out the window <laughs> as we were driving off out of his farm. And uh, I can remember him having a hanky just wiping the sweat off his brow, pleased to get rid of us. I have no idea what he thought of us lot nicking his lamb, but it's true. And we took it back to East London where we didn't even have a back garden. The factory was our back garden. My mum, she sobered up on the first day, screaming at us, what is this? We said, you told us. You said we could do it. She got a bit of rope. She said, you better take it for a walk. <laughs> there wasn't a bit of grass in her sight. There was nowhere to take it. We had to take it down this road, which you would know maybe called Green Street in East London, a right rough part of London. I'm walking along with a lamb. <laughs> All my pals had pit bull dogs, and I've got a lamb, you know. There was no street cred to it. The place, the thing started to wreck our house very quickly. Isn't it amazing how quick, quick kids get bored of things? It took us about 24 hours. We realized we needed to get rid of the lamb. My mum phoned another boyfriend. She always had different boyfriends. She got this fella around. We decided we was going to take it back to Wales. We were holding it down, me and Jason now, because it wasn't seven of us anymore. It was just me and him. It was our fault. And we're trying to hold this thing down. It was jumping about. Boyfriend was screaming, mum was screaming, we got lost in London and there was this place in London that still exists where there's a reservoir and there were suddenly lambs and sheep, we'd never seen it before. Look, there's lambs, there's sheep on that hill in London, we was amazed. We waited for the traffic to die down, this is the truth. We, we, we dumped this little Welsh lamb on the back of this reservoir and waved goodbye. We got it through the fence, we waved goodbye to it and uh, that is my farming experience. <laughs> I am not a farmer. I know nothing of lambs and sheep. That's the only time I've ever come close to a lamb in my life that's alive, and I don't know anything about the authority of the picture I want to finish this morning with. But this is what I've been told. I've been told that if a farmer has two sheep, two lambs, a, a sheep dies, a lamb dies, he has a mum without a baby and a baby without a mum. If he was to take that baby that hasn't got a mum and introduce it to the sheep that's lost one of its own, the sheep will look down and reject it because it's not his own. It takes a walk away, he won't accept it. So I've been told what the farmer does, he takes the lamb that's died and he skins the lamb, he drains the blood out of the lamb, he gets the lamb that's alive in the dead lamb's blood and bathes it in that blood, covers the skin around that little animal, brings that animal now covered in the scent of the other one's blood and reintroduces it to the sheep that previously rejected it. The sheep now looks down and accepts it as its own. I deserved hell. I didn't deserve a second chance. 
And God who is holy looks at each and every one of us. The Bible tells me everyone's fallen short of God's standards. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a way that seems right to man. Its path leads to death and destruction. The holiness of God, when he looks at each and every one of us now, nice and our kind and how wonderful we are, he sees sin in our heart. And only by faith in Jesus Christ, for he's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way but through him. And as, he, as I called out to God that night and asked Jesus to help me and to forgive me, Jesus is eternal, that God's eternal spirit touched my heart, cleansed my heart, that the holiness of God that previously would reject me, that couldn't tolerate me, the wrath of God was against me, now looks within me and sees his son, Jesus Christ. I live, but no longer do I live, but Christ lives in me. His blood has cleansed me. I've been accepted in his family. Like the sheep that was previously rejected, that lamb now sees the blood sent and takes it in. I know it's a bad illustration, but it's a picture of the marvellous saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he shed his blood. I believe that by faith I'm saved. This is not of works that I can boast. I don't come here because I'm a do-gooder. I come here because I've been washed. I've been set free and I've been spirit-filled. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your head with me. In fact, is there someone who can play on the keyboard? Can we have someone? Fantastic. You multi-talent is great stuff. Listen, guys, it's been an absolute privilege and an honor to be with you. And Joe and Kwaku and myself have agreed on that. It's great to be out here. But we're here for one purpose, and that's to challenge you. It's a tough talk. But we want to challenge you with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there's one guarantee... And that is we will pass away from this earth. We will die in one way or another. And on that time, it's been appointed for us to die. We will face our maker. We'll face what the Bible talks, the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, the only thing I'll be boasting is, is what Jesus has done on the cross for me, for his precious blood that has quashed me clean. It's him that gave me the strength to turn away from all the nonsense. He set me free. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the question this morning. I read recently that Steve Job on his deathbed said, I see the God of death approaching me and I regret all the wealth and all the power and all the decisions, all the self-seeking that I made in my life. And the world celebrates that man. When you stand before your maker, let there be no regrets. Only the fool will say to himself, I have much goods laid for many years that I would eat, drink, and be merry. God said, Thou fool, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. Let me pray this prayer. If you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, if you was to pass from this place today, there's not that peace that Joe and myself were talking about. You haven't got that, that presence of God knowing that you've been forgiven. And the strength of the Holy Spirit to help you repent and turn away from that stuff. Today, behold, now is the day of salvation. Right now, get right with the King of King and Lord of Lords, the governor of all the earth. Get right with your maker. Pray this prayer in your heart and at the end we'll say amen. Get right as you look to the cross. Bring those things, those secrets, the lies, the cheeks, the backbiting the gossip, the darkness, the unbelief. You may have grown up in your church. You may have been in church all your life. That will not cut it. Right now, 
Get right. Maybe you're backslidden. There's a secret doubt and fear. Get right before him right now. Pray this prayer. Ask Jesus into your life. And at the end, we'll say amen. Heavenly Father, say this in your heart. Heavenly Father, I just come before your cross. I come before your mercy. Forgive me of the things that I've done that are wrong before you. Forgive me of the secret sins in my heart. Come into my heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give me that born-again experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head stay bowed, every eye closed. If you have prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you as you sit in your seat. As every head is bowed, I want to have, ask you to have the courage and the boldness that you would, if you've prayed that prayer and you've acknowledged, and you, to acknowledge you've prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you before we leave this morning. I'd ask you to do something very simple. Just raise your hand so I can see you, so I can pray for you. Anybody out there, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you at the side, at the back, at the front. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you in the middle. I see the people responding. Don't let this moment pass. Your heart is beating. You haven't yet raised your hand. Quick, put your hand up for me so I can pray for you. Anybody else out there to join these? Fuck. God bless you at the front. God bless you at the side. Anybody else, quickly, God bless you at the front. God bless you, my brother. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that have lifted their hands to heaven. I pray, Father, you protect them. Protect the seeds that have been sown. Watch over them. Lord, let them grow in strength. Let them confess you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know what, guys? This is what we're going to do. Keep your head bowed a second. Pray. Everyone, pray this prayer after me. If you've raised your hand, pray this out. The Bible says, with our mouths we confess. With our hearts we believe unto salvation. There's a confession. Please say this out loud, and I'm going to hand back to the pastor. Pray if you're a Christian here just to make it comfortable. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me of the things I've done wrong. Come into my heart. By the power of your Holy Spirit, give me strength to do what is right in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Please give those people a big clap. They were wonderful. Joe, bless you. Thank you, brother. There you go. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much, Ian. Well, we want to give an opportunity and for more prayer. So John and the team are going to lead us in one last song before we transition. And you might be here today wanting more prayer, maybe something uh, for us to be able to pray with you, talk with you if you've made that decision today. You might be like the guy that came for healing and maybe you're like, oh, but they didn't ask for prayer for this. Well, it's wide open. We'll pray for anything, all right? We'll pray for physical healing. Believe God heals today. And so what we're going to do is during the song and after the song, over to my right, to your left, over in this corner, we're going to have people from our church who would love to be able to pray with you and to follow up on some of the things that Ian's talked about today and what Joe has shared. So we'd love to be able to do that together. So 